0: Welcome to the Testing Peers podcast. You're joining myself, Russell. Simon. Hello. David. Hello. Chris. Hello. And Today, we're going to talk about Make a Tester. First of all, though, as would like to kindly say, this podcast is sponsored by Saffron QA. Saffron QA is a provider of recruitment and consultancy services exclusively for the software testing industry. And you can find more details in the show notes at the end of the show. So... Guide us into our conversation with today, Chris?
1: Apparently, I have a running theme where I like to talk about things that I've been inspired by with my children. And recently, I have been playing with a lot of Lego. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the Lego movie, but in that film, there is a character who is obsessed with creating the exact design of a Lego build. And it, to the point where he actually glues it together because he's so obsessed with only having it built and then leaving it as is. For me, and for many, the joy of Lego isn't just being able to create those things, but it's also actually being able to be so much more created from it. And There's a quote from my favourite book that I've got for you. I'm going to do a little reading for you this week. I hope you're excited. Um, it's from the book Sophie's World by Jostin Goddard. And it goes like this. Why is Lego the most ingenious toy in the world? For a start, Sophie, who's the main protagonist, she wasn't sure that she agreed that it was. It was years since she played with the little plastic blocks. And moreover, she couldn't, for the life of her, see what Lego could possibly have to do with philosophy. But she was a dutiful student. So she rummaged on the top shelf of her closet. She found a bag full of Lego blocks of all shapes and sizes. And for the first time in ages, she began to build with them. As she worked, some ideas began to occur to her about the blocks. They're easy to assemble, she thought, even though they're all different and they all fit together. They're also unbreakable. She couldn't remember having seen a broken Lego block. All her blocks looked as bright and new as the day that they were bought many years ago. The best thing about them was that Lego, she could construct any kind of object, and then she could separate those blocks and construct something new. What more could anyone ask of a toy? Sophie decided that Lego really could be called the most ingenious toy in the world. But what it had to do with philosophy was beyond her. And interestingly, I think it's got a lot to do with making testers. Because when we are looking for testers, we're not looking for that complete by design, out of the box, one size fits all person. We're not even looking for necessarily a complete person. We're looking for something that is creative, something that's colourful, something that has a different perspective. I don't know if you've, uh, you can really relate to either not really being able to get your head around Lego and doing something beyond the actual builds, whether you've ever had that experience or not. My eldest struggles to want to take apart those perfect builds that you get in your sets. But actually, on the weekend, we took my old pirate ship and we we were a bit creative with it. And he got a lot of joy out of those sorts of things. I wondered everyone plays with Lego. Have you got any sort of stories you can relate to from those things? For me, I
2: like keeping them. I'm a bit quite possessive over the sets and making them and keeping them like that. And actually, I think that the modern sets are more difficult to convert into other things because they do have bespoke pieces that will only fit for those particular things however having said that again like you were saying we have lego just a set of bricks that we had from when i was young so that they are considerably older than lots of people probably listening to this podcast and you can make things they are just standard bricks and you can make things doesn't matter if you mix white bricks with red to make a house wall, it is completely up to your imagination. So I think it depends on what you plan to do with them and what sets you actually have as to how easy it is to extend your imagination. And also having said that, the other thing that's so nice about them is that you are constrained by the bricks you actually have. When you are making your house, you will have windows of different shapes and you can't always have them as perfect as in your mind and life generally is there is an imperfection as part of that and that's really quite exciting
3: going back to the indestructible part as mentioned in the quote from the story i've actually got a bonfire night story relating to this really as a young boy i remember going and looking at the remnants of a bonfire in the local park that had happened a day or two before and there was tons of lego completely full pieces not melted or anything So, naturally, being a young kid I was, I scooped as much as I could into a carrier bag and took it all home because I could add it to my Lego collection already had. And you're right, there is that thing of trying to be creative with the bricks. But equally, I find now, as David mentioned with the more modern sets, my eldest got the Ferrari F1 car for Christmas. There are so many bespoke bits with that. There are so many bits that will only fit on a car like that that you kind of find yourself having to build that car in that way. I know you can obviously think outside the box and try differently, but I find myself, telling my kids to go away and leave me to build it so I can build it exactly as the instruction says, because they don't think about it in the they're not looking at the instructions. they're just trying to plonk pieces on here and there and obviously it's their toy i should let them do it but no i'm going to follow the instructions and make sure it's exactly the way it should be on the box but i do think you're right there are different mindsets of more creativeness and and not so much and i do think it does relate to the idea of building blocks for not just testing but roles full stop really you can build your career build your role out of any blocks that you find that fit together and make it the way you want it to be it's all down to our own imagination really and the constraints we have within the roles we do.
1: Do you have any Lego confessions,
3: Russell?
0: No, I was that child that liked to put everything together in random, different order. I like chaos.
1: I love you for that.
0: I was the chaos monkey. I would cause mayhem. I would leave the blocks lying around. People would stand on them. People would curse me. And much <laughs> <Which> worse, <laughs> because it was impossible to tell if I had left a bit out because my design was completely
1: unique. Before we move on then, does anyone have a particular favourite set of Lego? that they've ever had for me mine was the lego pirate stuff i didn't really care how i built it I, it was the most amazing stuff i ever had a couple of years ago i got the back to the future delorean car i haven't had
3: anything that i remember from a childhood so i suppose the ferraris that my son got for christmas last year given we're big formula one fans were uh, probably the best ones i've seen can't
0: remember any kits um...
1: <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. We've established this, Russell. It's, Twenty it's...
3: years ago now.
0: I'm very certain a lot of it was second hand. So yeah, <laughs> a lot, have... lot of mine was as well. So I didn't. I made sets from things I put together. I had like a massive box of it. I must have got sets as gifts. I must
1: have. We could talk about Lego all day, but we should probably talk about the episode topic now. And that that's Maker Test. And this has sort of come about because one Simon Pryor did a bit of a conference circuit on this a couple of years ago do you want to just give us a quick elevator pitch of what this is Simon and then we'll have a bit of a chinwag this whole thing started because I was
3: invited back to give a careers talk at my university they were sort of inquiring as to what role I was doing at the time and I said I was in QA I was doing testing etc etc and suddenly they come back saying oh we're not sure that fits for a careers talk would you mind doing a special subject talk instead and I went back saying special subject why is it a special subject oh well it's not something that we're very familiar with here at the university university we're, we're not sure it's a very prevalent role so we'd like you to come and talk about it on a special subject and I backed out at that point and said no I think you'll find in the industry it's very prevalent I'm surprised you're not teaching it and then I look back at what I would learned during my university degree and I'd learned about seven or eight different programming languages from anything from assembly language to prologue to lisp to c++ c sharp Et cetera, et cetera, all the usual ones, but hadn't really touched on testing at all. The only testing I did in the whole course was for my final year project. We had a, you must do some testing as part of your project. And I'd done a, literally a small spreadsheet of about 10 tests for my UI that I designed as part of my final year project. That was the only testing experience I had. I didn't know it was a career before I went out into the real world. So I started researching other universities to see whether anything was actually materialising as far as syllabuses for universities. Out of the top 25 universities, I contacted the departments of computer science. I talked to them about their courses. Only two out of the top 25 had any modules that had any content around software testing or software quality. I won't go and name them now because this is four or five years out of date. So I'd hope things have moved forward. And that is something I plan to look at. But it really got me thinking that this is part of the reason why when I was hiring graduates at McAfee we'd go out and we'd be looking for QA as a career path and you'd get nobody in the queue to come and talk to you about QA you'd get loads in the development you get loads in the cyber security specific careers because they'd done ethical hacking degrees or whatever else they were doing at that point But there was nothing in the testing queue or the quality QA queue. So I started sort of working out, all, you know, obviously they're not learning about it, so they don't know it's a career. So if they're not teaching it, how do we then encourage them? And that led me on to what skills should we look for? So at that point, I reached out to the community and sort of started asking, okay, what skills do we look for in testers? And then how can we teach them testing? I did the talk, I did it at UK Star, I did it at the online test conference as well. And I did a couple of meetups where I talked through my results from the 400 responses I got of unique skills that people re- re- suggested For you, what skills would you say are skills you would look for in, let's say, a graduate that's not got any background in testing to, to enable them to become
2: good testers? Actually, in our company, we employ interns as part of a, a year-long year in industry. So I do interview people that are in the middle of their university courses. And it's similar to what we've said before. We look for that spark of what actually the sort of inquisitiveness, the interest in breaking things or or finding out how things actually work and then trying to work out how it actually does. And there is that certain thing. It doesn't necessarily matter whether they're good at coding and stuff. It's the inquisitiveness and also sharing the, the excitement of actually investigating those sort of things. And also for our company, it's learning because they're not on one project all the time. It's the continually learning and trying out new things yeah that's what we seem to to actually look for and also the communication skills so that they can share what they've discovered and their enthusiasm because sometimes as older testers or more experienced testers we forget what it feels like to have that first feelings and so if they can share that enthusiasm with the rest of the group then that's always a bonus because it it reinvigorates other people in the group
0: I think it's always a very interesting question I guess you're looking for team players So that goes to David's and talk about teamwork and communication. You can't really be a good team player. You can't communicate with your team members. That learning, those sorts of things. Empathetic people, people that can pick up things, technical as well as soft skills fast. Those are kind of key things, but they're also the key skills for a lot of other jobs. I just described a developer in my head as well.
3: Yeah, I agree.
0: Those are the people that you want to collaborate with and work with. The whole Make a Tester initiative, I think, raises a very interesting point about, education itself yeah should testing be a degree should testing be something that's taught directly specifically or should it be plug into developers or should it be you know should it be a separate thing and that probably takes us on a completely different tangent
3: it's a useful point and i think part of the difficulty i had when i was doing this research into trying to work out what the next steps forward was we don't look for people that fit in a box best testers i know are not people that you can fit in a box they are people that think very differently and every one of them is very unique very different to the to the next one doing a degree in testing would suggest that we're going to churn out 250 people from a university that all think about testing in the same way and that goes back to the biases again that we talked about in a previous episode and do you end up with people that will only think the same way towards testing
0: being devil's advocate do you get that from every other degree like developers do they all think the same are they all no
3: i I get that and i i see your point and it's just it's a concern i had but you're right not all developers come out the same
1: i guess there wouldn't be a degree that would be written by just one group or something because you know universities come up with yeah their own syllabus themselves
2: But I think it also opens the question as to how the certification is actually seen. And we're going down a different path, I know now. But, you know, (laughs) the certification that you can get as a tester are seen by different people in a different way. And so therefore it needs to have some gravitas in order to be able to do it and show that it's relevant to the job that you're actually going to be.
1: When you're looking at recruiting new testers, you can call them juniors you can call them graduates you can call them interns or whatever but people who are new or relatively new to testing do you actually look at any sort of academic background at all or maybe something but are there actually maybe attributes or skills that you're looking for in those people rather because for me the background academically The fact that we haven't all come from the same place provides us with a great deal of diversity and perspective that we wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, I did a session inspired by Mr. Simon Pryor's Maker Tester at my workplace. And one of the questions we asked was, what do you think makes a good background for a career in testing? And we had like creativity, the arts, people skill based stuff, diplomacy, maybe politics, technical skills, games, statistics and the whole conversation was around the fact that diversity and coming from different places is the key for great testers we shouldn't all be the same and then so i wonder if even discussing about universities is is necessarily the right thing to go and that was kind of where i was starting to lean with the
3: research was doing a degree in testing or whatever isn't necessarily what we need to look for we need to look for people that come from as you say a diverse background some of the best testers i worked with have done english and history degrees it's definitely down to what their mindset.
0: A degree, certainly in the UK, is one of those steps that people have an idea of when they leave school, do your A-levels, next stage, degree, in anything, uh, often, maybe a field, and it shows a level of aptitude versus generally the field that you want to go into. But I
3: think the bigger concern that I got from that research is not just about not having the testers coming out of university or coming out ready to start a job in testing or wanting to do a job in testing at that point. It's the fact that testing is not taught at all. It means even the ones that come out as developers haven't got any awareness of testing as part yeah. of the industry. So when they go into their jobs or the, whatever roles they have, they're not the ones that are open to start doing unit testing. They're not the ones that are starting to learn how to shift testing left to be part of the team's responsibility and not just down to the testers because they've got no exposure to it. And usually the ones that come out of university are the ones with the minds can be molded the most. And it's just my thought process is something needs to change to enable testing awareness really, more than anything
0: else. Quality is lacking, it seems, in the education of developers who do a degree from your research. I think that's a very good
2: point. Russell just picked up on that, is that I think that actually the teaching in or the education of the computer science people is more to do, you know, they've probably got a mindset of I want to be a developer, but actually they need to get a testing mindset because especially with agile and stuff, they need to have an understanding of how software will be tested.
1: Yeah. Although I've seen that in in Agile training where testing's almost not been taught at all. They've gone like unit testing. There's this triangle thing, but let's just concentrate on unit testing. And that's kind of like, that's your testing done. Like we're all developers here, or at least we want to be.
0: Yeah, you're right, unit test, that's everything. We talked quite a lot
1: about problems with education. (laughs) For, For fear of running out of time, I think it'd be really cool if we came up with some, or at least talked about solutions or things that they either... We've tried, and I know that Simon and Russell have tried things. Also, things that maybe we think could work in the future. We can talk about successes and failures. or oh, ideas and aspirations going forwards. Maybe Simon and Russell should introduce what they've already done. One of the first things
3: I did was I got in contact with some of my local universities. And I know we've sort of moved on from thinking that university is the right place to do this. But I went to try and talk to them about getting it on the syllabus. And actually, got added as an industry advisor to a couple of university boards for the computer science department and had started implementing or suggesting ways to which we could get some introductions to testing onto the syllabus, not just a, this is unit testing and that's all we touch, or this is a test, you know, they do a software engineering module where they talk about the the software development lifecycle and they mention, oh, there's testing, it's part of this cycle. And you do it towards the end of a project and that was kind of it and try and get them at least looking at thinking, critical thinking. Question asking, exploratory testing, some very simple things that they can then, you can easily do a project around an exploratory testing session and documenting your notes and your findings and all that kind of stuff and trying to get that in there. But unfortunately, I made the stupid decision to change jobs at that point and then lost contact with the university because they're also partly with me because of the cybersecurity interest of working for a cybersecurity company. So I was using that to get me in there and then talk about testing as well. So I still intend to try and get in touch with some universities now again and and look at that again but I think I'd take the tack slightly differently now and I'd look at how we can raise the awareness of testing but not necessarily trying to get them to do testing specific modules or anything like that but just try and get it built into some of their software engineering stuff as part of it but I'm open to ideas on that. But I think ultimately we need some kind of syllabus for training testers, Russell.
0: Nice plug. Thank you, Simon. I hit the same problem that Simon's talked about, Chris, David, etc., which is getting people with the right mindset into some of the skills. So I came across a situation where I had lots of people internally where I worked who wanted to become testers, but there was no avenue for them to do so. How did they go learn about being a tester? Now, I came from customer support role. That's how I got into testing originally my degrees were completely irrelevant to kind of how i got there so i spent some time thinking well actually what is it that you need to do in order to be able to show that you can be a tester so if you want to get a job as a tester what do you need to be able to demonstrate in an interview to somebody in order to show that you've got the skills that you understand the field to a degree that you get your foot in the door and you can progress into a role so i went about it and wrote what would be a syllabus and very very quickly I thought about the key things that you need to teach testing, you know, what testing is about, what sort of Oracle heuristics are, risk, how risk interacts with testing, exploratory testing, agile and testing, requirement stories, how they all fit together, communication, the teamwork thing that we just mentioned, estimation. I think that's always a really fun one, um, automation, SQL, technical skills, yada, yada, yada. And I put that into a syllabus and I created a meetup around that. And every week or every fortnight, they used to kind of get together. And do a talk. So it was about a third talk and two thirds games, maybe doing something with Selenium, maybe something with Postman, maybe doing some um, testing Jenga, where you get Jenga to demonstrate the whole team effort together. And try to get lots of different people in my area in the Northeast to kind of help run different sessions on different areas, different topics to get a lot of people into testing. I know four or five people that went to it, I can't say any more than that for certain, who ended up in jobs in testing. So I just felt very, very happy. They were able to take the knowledge that they'd learned and their own learning on the side to then develop themselves and show that they had a basic understanding and ultimately a passion. You know, we talked about that in another episode, but by coming to a meetup, by coming to events, by learning, by getting hands on, it got them passionate about the subject and showed that they were interested. It, it meant more than the person who just submits the CV saying, I've worked on your product for three years. I can test it. It showed they actually cared about the field of testing, which I think helped dramatically. So that was kind of my story into it i think there's other things like this i think the test clinic in london something like that yeah similar sort of ilk
1: there's the test bash essentials now isn't there as well there is and the software testing clinics they've
3: moved it all over the country now there's like and yeah there's some there's some really good stuff to try and help it but i'm i'm still wondering how we tap into that talent pool that aren't aware of it david
1: in the um school world from whence you came careers guidance was a part of what goes on now I certainly never came across any of this sort of thing when I was going through career guidance stuff at school. In fact, the the only application I ever used was called Kudos, which I liked. And that suggested I should become a multilingual secretary. So clearly it wasn't wonderful. Is there anything you can think of from a sort of teachery perspective or at least from the world where you were? Could you see how any of those things could really fit? And from your perspective as someone that now is a group lead who probably gets to train up people... Can you see that transition? Have you got any sort of vision completely off the cuff that you could see how that could fit together?
2: There is always areas that can, and we've touched on those sort of things. You know, you can always enhance people's curiosity. And there are so many things like exploratory testing and things like that, that you can certainly tap into that show that things are actually quite interesting and finding those problem solving. And that's the sort of idea that perhaps can help enhance those sort of things is to make things exciting. If things become boring, if it's just a standard lesson, that's partly why I enjoyed science, that can then give you that benefit. And you can have so many different tools in order to do it. You know, you can find bugs by automation, by manual testing, by just being let loose and do that exploratory testing within a, a, you know, an exciting area. So I think the way to actually do it is to to tap into that. And it won't always excite everyone, but you're not doing a one-size-fits-all, but it allows people from a non-computer background to understand that actually there is a future because if you like that sort of thing, if you like that problem-solving thing, then you can come down that thing. A bit like going to GCHQ and they, they've, they've tapped into that sort of problem-solving thing and come and work for us. It's a sort of a slightly lower version of that really that you can tap into
1: there are things where they go into school aren't they like there's this um the stem ambassador thing yeah we do things like that i do that yeah i've done it before as well i had a little Little triangle pin. It was lovely. I went actually as part of a team from my company. We had like a quality manager and we had a hardware manager and we had me. What I was able to do, which wasn't even being taught at A-level, was saying, well, if you're going to consider an entire project, in this case, we were doing the engineering and education scheme through STEM, I was able to sort of talk them through how you approach things from a quality perspective and how you should generate tests and prove that your code works and, and all these sorts of things. And that was quite an exciting way to work. But I guess teachers are quite key in these things to sort of identify these attributes that you, you talked about, David and um, Simon. They might be able to identify these things and maybe targeting teachers to sort of say, hey, these are careers as well. is quite a cool thing. I was watching um, an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the other day and they've identified that Hydra um, are able to see people's patterns, their social media progress. Or anything they've sort of done, they can actually work out what kind of an individual you're going to be, whether you're someone that could be turned or not. And I know I've talked about statistics and things in the past, but there's got to be some sort of formula you can tap into to say this kind of personality at a young age is something that can make a good tester. Yeah. See, I, it wasn't
3: it wasn't that stupid a point. It in in the wasn't. End, it was it? wasn't <laughs> no, and it's surprising for you. Going back to the STEM thing, I did do a STEM session once and we made a point because we were a cybersecurity company at the time, we wouldn't send the traditional developers in to do the talks. So there was me as a tester, there was a technical writer and there was somebody in infrastructure that the three of us were, we were the three that were assigned to go into these schools and do the talks for careers. And I was talking about the testing and there was this one kid in the front was constantly asking me questions, constantly asking me questions. Every time he asked me a question, I think you'd be be really good at testing. And the teacher said to me afterwards, he actually came and found me and said, that guy would be great as a tester from what you said, we're great as a tester. And it's one of those things where, you know, I wish there was a way at that point that I'd been able to sort of say, right, come and work for us or, or here's an expert, I go and look at this. And I'd I'd introduce them to Ministry of Testing and, and other sites that could go and learn stuff. But you can never guarantee that anyone's gonna go and look at that stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it would have been nice to be able to follow up and do more with those kids that showed interest in those
0: sessions. It's always mentoring.
3: There is. There's obviously the way you go into schools to do that is quite Tricky. Yeah, You know, STEM ambassadors, yeah, STEM ambassadors themselves can't go in and do that unless they've got, you know, this whole stuff to get in place. Maybe you should but, start a
1: podcast where you talk about these things.
3: Well, funny on you blog. should say
1: that. What we should really do is
3: open this up to our listeners to come up with some ideas on how we can build out the syllabus that maybe Russell started and collectively bring it together. Give can us Can we some share ideas. the
1: syllabus online, um Russell, with the show notes?
2: I don't see why not. This could be our first
0: campaign. Could save the tester, <laughs> create the te- make the tester, create the tester,
1: make what, the tester. Sorry, sorry, Simon, I totally cut you off. It's
3: incredibly rude. I was being a bit political, then I apologize.
1: <laughs> what we need to do is we need to ask the yes. listeners so, yeah, to contribute. Yeah, so
3: ask the listeners, ask the listeners to contribute, suggest ideas, not just about the syllabus. So the syllabus sounds like a great way that we can start building out a training plan for testers and see what our minds come up with with that but also to think of ways and how we can get into this untapped talent market of finding people that would be great fits for testers.
2: And also perhaps stories of successes where they've tapped into people. Absolutely. And we can certainly share that. We'd love to hear those stories. Yes, definitely.
3: Cool. So on that note, thank you guys for uh, letting us talk about one of my passions and hopefully it's now one of your passions too. And thank you everyone for listening. As we say, please get in touch through the usual channels email us at contact us at testing peers.com or at testing peers on twitter we're on linkedin and also chris we're now on instagram as well i believe is that just at testing peers as well totally thank you chris and also if you really love us and you want to support us we do have a patreon site as well so head over to patreon.com slash testing peers we have a few few tiers where you can donate different amounts we love you all for um showing interest in downloading these episodes and also yeah if you can help out for us hopefully the mics have been an improvement from our sponsor Saffron qa thank you thank you ben for your help there yeah thank you everyone we look forward to hearing from you soon for now it's goodbye from the testing peers Goodbye.
0: goodbye